We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcaster collapses under the weight of expectation that he will be able to summarize everything that happened this weekend. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. <clears throat> and as you can probably tell from the sound of my voice, I don't know where the hangover ends and the jet lag begins. Uh, I am back in the land of, of ice and snow, but I am thrilled to be back in front of my traditional uh, recording equipment so that I can speak to these fine gentlemen staring back at me about a weekend that will... Uh, live in the memory for a long, long time, both for footballistic and other reasons. I thought about doing one of those epic, what they call in the business, cold opens. You know what I mean? Where you have a recording all queued up and you're ready to use it. And then Andrew of Arscast fame posted a picture of the waveform of what he had cooking to start the Arscast. And I looked at it and I, it was like seeing the Invincibles in the tunnel. I was like, well, I, I, can't, what, I don't know what that is, but I know I can't do it. So uh, we'll leave the cold opens to him, and we'll leave the Jaeger bombs to me. I think it was 200 uh, at the Tollington at full time. More on that, Anon. Here's what I think we got to do today. Uh, and by the way, no Tim today because uh, Arsenal won another cup yesterday. All we do is win, 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 no matter what. Uh, so he's he's got stuff going on, but he'll, he'll be back this week, and we'll, we'll get his perspective. I think we should start the pod with the VAR decisions and the errors we made on the goals we conceded. And, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, we're, let's start with the celebration, the emotion, the impact of it, because that that is really the shot heard around the world. It, I imagine, like me, you got very little sleep this weekend after the game just from scrolling every social media account you might have access to. Um, you know, Hopefully you listen to our instant reaction over on Patreon, which I think Paul did a, a, a um, uh, yeah, let's say great, a great job doing. Uh, Clive and I did one from the ground as well. So we'll do the emotion. We'll do the experience. To say it was a great job. It, it, it cost was, you it nothing. A, and 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 I did. I, I got there in the end. Um, <clears throat> much like Arsenal, ninety seventh minute. I, I got I got the compliment out. Um, and Paul did a, a yeoman's job actually uh, covering for me while I was gone for nine days. So th- thank you for Paul for that. Um, Lester away, amazing. Bournemouth at home, amazing. Uh, and then a trip in the middle of the week that was even more amazing. And you'll hear about that uh, in the coming weeks. So we'll start with the emotion. We'll then get into the analysis of the football. We will try to have time um, for, it says here, 
Liverpool 7, Manchester United nil. Um, and in the seventh hour, we'll talk about Spurs losing to Wolves. So that's all on tap for you today. Here with me now to discuss it is a man who is at least 40% blood alcohol level still. His name is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Um, you almost got sorry. hit by a car uh, trying to walk to the train station after yeah. when we left the Tonton. It was a zigzag walk, and um, I was vulnerable. That's all I'm going to say. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm too yeah. big a man to be that vulnerable. So, uh, hey. Much like the walk. side netting at Bournemouth goal in the 97th minute, you were vulnerable <laughs> to a big moment. Um, and a man who uh, hopefully actually remembers what happened on the pitch, so he'll be able to describe that for both Clive and I. His name is Paul. You can find him on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, pause. Woohoo! You look absolutely terrible, Elliot. You look, you look, <laughs> I look wrecked. I, I look, look like, like I sound. <laughs> gray, gray shadow of yourself. <laughs> but on the inside, I'm like a glowing light. I, I am, yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Cocoon, but I'm like whatever's on the inside of those things. Uh, but on the outside, I look like the people that were in the, in the home that needed to go to the Cocoon place. Anyway, um, I don't know if you've seen the picture of Lissandro Martinez running... I don't know where he's running while Mohamed Salah is attacking the goal and he's going another direction. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie <clears throat> Top Gun, but it reminds me in the scene where he's like, he went this way, we went that way. It was like, where'd who go? It was great. <laughs> anyway, um, so... Can I add one thing, Elliot? It, yeah, please. You, you guys kept sharing stuff and people around you kept sharing. It looked like Hangover 4. Obviously, that was a joke that many times was made. But then I noticed you were wearing a pink tie Mm. And uh, and a shirt and like dark clothing and Clive was wearing a suit. I'm like, oh my god, Elliot got married. I, I got married to Clive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's all gone off. I'm like, I was trying to message you. You're already married, Elliot. Yeah. You're married back in Minneapolis. Sh- sh- she'll understand. Okay, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She's heard Clive's voice. She she knows how alluring it is. Um, yeah, well, so j- just for starters, I, I think it goes without saying, a lot of people listening weren't there, weren't able to be there. I've been obviously in that position most of the time. I don't get to be there. This was a lucky one to happen to have attended. Um, and, and there were so many new friends made uh, over the course of the day. So to everyone who we did meet, who we did get a chance to uh, sink a couple of Jaeger bombs with, uh, who we did get to celebrate with and hug, a lot of hugging of strangers, lots of singing of songs, um, just a special night. I'm glad we got to share it. But for those who weren't there, you're a part of it, right? We're all, when I'm not there, I feel a part of it with those of you who are. When you're not there, you're a part of it with those of us who are. And, and it, it, it really amazing. Paul, it sounds like you have more to add on this topic. Uh, well, I, Clive, I'd like to share a little message you put in the WhatsApp the day after. Um, he okay. says, Tim, I have a vague memory of hugging you because you mentioned hugging. Tim, I have a very vague memory of hugging you so tightly your head may have popped off your shoulders for this <laughs> sir i apologize <laughs> I, I i remember seeing that and i actually was quite worried for tim's safety um yeah i mean uh so i don't think we need to do the whole oh what's it like the tongue what's it like the ground if you want the match day experience we're going to post a video and, and audio stuff over on the patreon side that covers the lester away day and and, and the bournemouth day but i do want to cover the emotion of it and clive like there there are moments in football that really do make you believe anything is possible that make you remember that this is what keeps us all invested. And I'll admit it, like, you know, sitting next to you, I learned a lot about the game. You had some interesting insight on, on Emma Smith Rowe. We'll probably get to a lot of that, but there was a moment in about like the, the 88th or 89th minute. You're like, no, that's it. it it's gone now. You know, there, there was, I can't remember what happened and what it is. 
But that that fairy dust around the Emirates right now, that those support, it is so loud there. And the anticipation, it feels like that electricity in the air that can make anything possible. And when that goal flew in, it, it's it's a moment I will take with me for the rest of my life. And wherever you watch it around the world, I'm sure you agree. It was like a lightning bolt that flew through me. So for you, just the emotion of this and how that emotion can carry through. I think for the team, I, I think there's actually a risk that how do you come down from that? But but how did the uh, how did the moment make you feel? Obviously, aside from just uh, pure joy. Yeah. So when you said that part about it's over, I looked up and I looked up at all the seats, and there was no red seats coming back at me which tells me there's lots and lots of people that believe something could still happen. And and that feeling of this isn't over is, is everywhere around, around the club. And the same to Paul before we started. You know, we met a lot of people the weekend earlier and they were very, very complimentary. And, and one of the things they were saying, oh, I love the way you explain the game. And I think, hey, well, that's what we tried to do. Try to explain the bits that we see, right? That's all from our perspective. And um, But there comes a day when <laughs> you can't explain <laughs> stuff. Exactly. And I've been thinking yeah. about this podcast for the last day and a half, and I can't explain why. Saturday is one of the best singular days of my life, and it's Bournemouth at home in February. You know, it, that <laughs> that doesn't compute. You know, it, it doesn't compute. And the reason why it feels that way, because it's, it's, part, it's a small part of a much bigger thing, and it's not just the football, but it's the people around it and the fans that support and support from the, the, within the club it, it's everything the way the players transmit themselves the way they operate the way they the alignment within the team the alignment within the club I mean you, I always say it, you know one of my sayings and one of my many sayings you can't fool people you can't fool people they know what they're looking at they know when it's right they know when the balance is right they know when people are in the room for the right reasons they know they know and they can look at this and say this is worth following really, really strongly from wherever you are in the world. And there are many more people listening to this that don't go to the games, actually do go to the games. So we're very, very, we're very cognizant of that. But Elliot, I think this one hit everybody, didn't it? Everybody hit, mm. it hit the same. And I can't explain why, but it was just a wonderful experience. Yeah, it's, it's ultimately the distillation of why you follow football because you hope you get that. You hope, right? Like, I mean, I don't know what the, what the season will bring, but I also don't know if I'll ever feel what I felt when that ball left Nelson's foot. And from the angle we had, it, you saw it arrowing right into the side netting. And there was that, that intake of air and then the release of a wall of sound, unlike anything. And the, I mean, there are a lot of people that have mocked up the, the still shot of the celebration at, like it's hanging in the Louvre. I mean, Saliba goes to the corner flag. He thinks everyone's going there, realizes he's alone, turns back. Nelson's the calmest guy. There is. Odegaard collapses. Gabriel collapses. Four hands on head from the Bournemouth players, right? Ben White giving it big to their keeper who had punched him in the back of the head earlier. Um, it, just all around the scenes of madness. One of the f funniest moments lost in all of this is Mikel Arteta casually high-fiving a young child before realizing... That's a young child. What, what is going on here? I need to get this young child to safety. The other thing I love is when you look at who stayed out on the pitch after it was all over, and by the way, perfect time to score a goal because then we didn't have to suffer even one wave of attack going the other way, given that they had scored in nine seconds to start the game and we scored in the last second of the game. Um, but 
the Emil Smith Rowe, right? Subbed as a sub. Could be a tough moment for him. He's one of the last guys out on the pitch celebrating. Gabriel Jesus is out there lifting up Reese Nelson. And all I can think as I'm watching that is, nah, maybe we just, just, you know, put put him down. Let someone else pick him up. You just, you know, you just be careful now, because we're gonna need you. Um it 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 Paul, it is one of those things too, you make bargains with yourself, right? They score in the ninth second. You're like, well, they're Bournemouth. It's at home. We were always going to score at least two. This is fine. And then they score a second. And there is that moment where you do the math. You're like, we need three and a half an hour, you know, and it starts to feel like maybe it's not possible. And then you get one back and you're like, we can definitely do this. You get to level with 20 minutes ago and it's definitely happening. And then the injury time board goes up. And that first, I honestly think that was the first moment of the game where I thought we might not win today. Like, it hadn't occurred to me, really, genuinely, until that moment. And as stoppage time ebbed away, ironically, the moment that I thought we had lost it, or, you know, not won it, was the Zinchenko kind of cross that leads to the corner. Because you're thinking, why isn't someone at the back stick to just touch that home? It's right there. And then you're thinking the story's going to be all the VAR decisions again and everything. What was your roller coaster in terms of, I'm not worried, all right, I'm a little worried, but it'll be fine. Oh, we've got this. Oh, we've definitely got this. Oh, we may not have this. Oh, no, we don't have this. Oh, my God, we won this. <laughs> yeah, it was all that, and you've covered it perfectly, I think. My bargaining was um, it looks like we're going to get a point towards the end. That We need, desperately need three points from this, uh, but maybe I'll take this draw because it it kills the narrative in the media because they can talk about it. it was a, they'll at least talk about it. it was a comeback, it was a fight back, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it looked like we had heart. It didn't look like we're like, uh, we're now ready to cough it up. So I'm like, that's my bargain. Uh, one point is nowhere near enough. We need, we need the three points. We need that momentum. But at least it kills uh, the media doing the swing in the opposite direction. Um and then that thing happens, and like we'll, we may well in this, and we certainly have on social media given the referee an incredibly hard time, um, potentially well earned, given all of the the plethora of fifty-fifties uh, decisions, or however you want to split them in terms of the penalty, the box, the multiple multiple penalties. I don't know if there's such a thing as a rotational penalty, but we kind of earned one here. Hmm, um, yeah. But I, I had this weird feeling in all of those emotions, this this uh, unpleasant feeling of feeling grateful to a referee that the added time was going and going and going, and he kept it going. Like if it had been anybody else, any other circumstance, I would think he was holding on till we scored because he kept doing it. And for once, the added time, which had been supposed to be six minutes, rolled on be- to the best part of eight. And like, fair play to the guy in that one thing. He added on yeah. mm-hmm. added time and some for the shit that went on after the beginner. How many times have we looked at the time and said, this doesn't add up? It makes no sense. Um, so, yeah, I feel strange to feel gratitude to the ref but he did the most important thing in this game. Well, he gave us the chance to win it, and he gave us the chance not to be screwed out of it by Bournemouth. No, you're 100% right. And the irony is, if I could pick having any of the penalties or having the stoppage time so we win it the way we did, I'd rather win it the way we did. I mean, yeah. would I have taken a 4-2 with two penalties in the second half to make it comfortable? <clears throat> of course, I would have taken it, but I wouldn't trade this. 
Only yeah. football gives you this. And who, only who would, yeah. yeah, who would want to miss out on that celebration? You said mm-hmm. Arteta with the the child, the goings on. I think I saw a Pope on rollerblades. With the child. <laughs> yeah, a man wearing a tutu on a unicycle. Stuff you you're like, where did that come from at the end? It was uh, the noise. My God. I mean, you you guys were in the middle of it and you maybe you're thinking it didn't quite uh transmit. Sometimes it seems like they don't turn up the the mic at the stadium, and I'm thinking, do you want people to think games are that people are invested in games are holy shit? And like you guys missed out in one sense. Normally, I have a tremendous envy for the guys who are at the game, and I, uh, in particular, you, Elliot, because I feel like the wife you left at home with the children, <laughs> you left me Fair barefoot enough, yeah. and pregnant, and there you are <laughs> off gallivanting all over town. Can't get hold of you for this or the that or the other. Your I'm liver like, will thank you later. <laughs> <laughs> not really, not really, not for, not not on this day, and yeah. like. You were just f- so filled up. There was so much stuff coming. The social contents were like my cup brimmeth over and everybody else's mm. it, like you. What a day. What a day. There was, um, I think it was AFC Stuff or whatever posted a thread of global celebrations that if you yeah. can find it, I'm sure I retweeted it. It's brilliant. Clive, just in terms of the noise, I like I, I think that's my first Emirates game this season. Um, and I think I'd, I'd had some concern because i do worry sometimes in case you haven't mm-hmm. heard that um in fact I'm, i've got the mug I, if you're not watching on youtube holding it up that's why my friends call me whiskers um but i, I think there were a couple games recently where i was like i think the nervousness around the season is starting to transmit to the fans and there was some edginess there was no edginess here it was loud and it was it, it's one of the louder stadiums i've actually been in and and at full time i mean obviously the roar was Extraordinary. So just in terms of atmosphere, you've been to a few games this season. How's that moment, that celebration, that noise compare with, with all the other moments? I mean, obviously, United, amazing late winner. For me, being there, this eclipses it. But it, of course, I'm going to feel that way. Where's where's this uh, rank for you moments in, in an incredible season? Yeah, there's a couple of moments that come close, but don't quite pip it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas Party's curling shot into roof and net against Spurs. That was quite mm-hmm. nice. You know, um, yes, Granite Shaka's winning goal against Spurs, that was really nice. Funny enough, Martinelli's first goal against Liverpool, that was electric. You know, that was mm-hmm. electric. But Saturday, that's probably the loudest moment I've heard at the Emirates Stadium. You know, and um, I've seen a, quite a few things, you know. Did the Arshavin did, that was quite a good one. But yeah, that was... Um, that's the loudest, my loudest moment, and I I can't explain it, and I can't explain. It. I haven't got the date right. It's actually March, not uh, not February. <laughs> yeah, close <laughs> tells, enough. March is a short month. It's basically still March. That tells February, you know. that tells you how many days I've lost recently due to this game. I feel like I come. You know, you go to a really really good party and you have a really really good time, and you walk around the next day smiling to yourself, thinking, "Oh mm-hmm. God, that was so good." That you look at any stranger, you just smile at them and say as if they were there. At the, at the party that you were at, you know, and it's and it, it just it just feels like that, and it hasn't gone away, and it's and it's now Monday, <laughs> the sixth of March, <laughs> you know, and so uh, and so it, and it, it hasn't gone away, so yeah, it, a unique moment, and as I said earlier, it's, for me, it's all it's all it's all about the people that you share it with. 
honestly, mate, it really is. We, we saw so many good people. Um, obviously, James, we spent a bit of time with James and Tim after the game. That's the ones that people will know. But there's so many people that come up and the, and the genuine, genuine kindness and warmth still astounds me to this day. And I know, Paul, you've experienced that before last year, but trust me, it's exactly the same. And we are incredibly fortunate to do what we do to have that type Just of to be clear, Clive, had we dropped points at home to Bournemouth, though, I would have been kicked out of the country and people let me know that. So it yeah, was yeah, on yeah. a razor's edge there for me <laughs> for a moment. But you are, you, you are now welcome back, right? And, um, you and, yeah. and <laughs> you are now welcome back. And it was, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, you, and I've done this a few times, but I don't know why that felt so unique. It, it, it just felt mm-hmm. so unique. And um, one, one I'll never forget. Never forget. Yeah, the, the kind of day where, like, uh, you know, just believe anything's possible. And this team has delivered so many moments like that. And I realized, look, we may win the title. We may not win the title. There's still a lot to do. The season's already given me more than I could have expected or asked for in terms of moments that I remember. Because, you know, you lift the trophy, you have the open-top bus parade, you hang the banner, and then it's over. And then you think back on the season. I don't think any of us will struggle to think back on this season and remember incredible moment after incredible moment. And it's like, I remember getting ready to board the plane, so hungover to come home, not wanting to leave, but but not able to stay, you know, at, at, for fear of what it would mean to me uh, physically and thinking, how am I going to get through this flight? And then to spend it scrolling my timeline and it's, that's two, that's three. Oh, it's four. Oh my God, it's five, six. There's seven. It was just because I couldn't watch the game, the Liverpool United game, but all I could see was the updates and it it just kept going. Um, they kicked the extra point and they got the seven nothing win. Um, so yeah, like a really extraordinary. We we will start to to turn the ship into the game, but Paul, you have a you have a thought there? Yeah, look, you can measure how great a celebration, how great a moment it was by how big the fine from the uh, football association is going to be. So <laughs> looks like we're up again. Understand the FA are looking into AFC's celebrations after Reese Nelson's winner. Uh, Arsenal's response to this is put that one on our tab too. So yeah, um, failing to control young children, I think, is the charge. <laughs> so you know, we'll uh, we'll take that one. And and so a lot of sliding doors moments here. I th- I think, like I said, only football can give you this. Uh, th- the moments that make you think magic is possible. And I, if you think about your life and all the things that matter, there's a million of them that matter more than football, and yet none of them can make you feel the way that goal flying in made you feel. Hug strangers, scream and yell, walk around with a smile on your face for days. The kind of thing where, you know, one in the morning walking back through Islington and people are still shouting and yelling at just amazing. But I think one place we have to start with this, Paul, is is at the end with Reese Nelson. Of all mm. the players to have this moment, there were so many things I love. There's a hug that he has with Bukayo and Martinelli that's just electrifying. There's a, a tweet from, uh, you know, a social post from Inkedia that warms the heart. You know, th- this was the Academy kid before they were the Academy kids. You know what I mean? This yeah. was the star. This was the guy who went off to Germany and and was Jaden Sancho before Jaden Sancho became Jaden Sancho and then stopped being Jaden Sancho and then maybe is a little bit of Jaden Sancho again. But the the point is like, he, he he's someone we, I think of all of those kids of that generation, he was the one. He was meant to be the one. And we know injuries and other things have, have not allowed that to happen. And for him to have this moment is extraordinary and to see what it means to him and the team. And now he's probably going to have to be a part of this journey because Trissard's injured, groin injury, don't know how long we'll be without him. Not sure when Enkedi is back. Not sure when Gabriel Jesus is back. 
But this will give him the confidence. I don't think it was just the goal either, by the way. He has the assist for White's goal. I thought it was a great cameo. So just quickly how you feel for Reese Nelson and and about Reese Nelson in a moment that I, I'm so happy he got to have, given the the winding road he's been on to get here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. He was a Lou, as they say. He was the one. Um, and uh, it hadn't quite happened to him. Now, to be fair to him, before he got injured, he was starting to look like he could be a player for us. Mm. Um, and in this game, it wasn't just the goal. Like, like I had my stocks rising for this uh, instant reaction we did after the game, and he was there. I don't know if he was number one, but he was number two or three on this while we were heading towards a draw. He played very creditably on the left-hand side, as you said. He... Um, he set up um, the uh, the white finish there, put it not quite on a plate for him, but banged it right where white needed it. Um, and he was having a really good game. And what I take away from the Reese Nelson thing is whatever happens, I said this on the pod, um, he'll never buy another pint or a kebab in Islington. Um, he could retire now and... Like everywhere he goes, he'll be a bit of a legend. And it makes me think, as much as anything, that critical contribution to this season, as we hope, what will somebody like Smith Rowe or uh, even Fabio Vieira was on the pitch, everybody who isn't an automatic starter will come away from that. Not just Reese Nelson thinking, I can make just in a moment in this season a contribution that I will look back on for the rest of my life. Everybody will look back on it. It's absolutely huge, um, each of these moments. And, you know, whether it's Tommy Yasu, uh, Rob Holding, uh, Kivior, player after player will suddenly realize they need to be ready for the five minutes, for the ten minutes when they come on the pitch to do significant things. And the small thing they may do may turn out to be huge. And, you know, that was my reflection yesterday, that so many of these these guys in the extended team, we're not going to win this with the first 11 or the first 14. That's how you look at seasons. But this run-in will come down to moments, critical moments. And every one of these guys will now be switched on to the idea that, the thing they do or the mistake they don't make because they're switched on and they're in tune and they're in the moment, what they do in the Europa League to keep us ticking along or to, to, to give other guy a rest, or everything these players do in training, every single moment, there are no wasted minutes, there's no wasted contribution, no matter how many minutes you get on the pitch. This was for... for uh, it was very interesting, Nelson said about... Uh, in his post-match interview, something about um, it was coming down on his right and he saw a guy coming out to him and mm. so he switched to his left. That is absolutely not what happened. No. The ball bounced <laughs> off his chest, had huge <laughs> amount of spin, bounced up onto his left and he's like, oh shit, hit it. And he <laughs> caught it exactly. sweet. He it, did. It's, fu it's funny <laughs> how we invent a narrative after the fact with a microphone, like we do it all day long. Yeah. Um, but like he... And I think that's why he, because the commentator's like, oh, they, they, they didn't cover that. They didn't come out fast enough and stuff. I think the, like, the, the incredible magic of the moment is 
balls do funny things when they bounce. And that's why we scored. Yeah. Look, I mean, it, it's also not to get onto the boring stuff, but it's why you play a certain type of football because when you have 80% of the ball and 31 shots, somehow three of them find their way in, you know, and, and that's, that's the key. We stuck to our principles and maybe it left us a little open at the back, but look what it gets you. It gets you a three, two win. It gets you a great moment. I think you said something really important, Paul, though, which is when you get a moment like that for a player who's been on the fringes, it's going to electrify the rest of the fringes of the team to say, I might get to have a moment like that because if we win the title this season, Reese Nelson is going to be one of the heroes, whether he plays again or not. Um, and, and everyone's going to want to be a part of that. I mean, the players lost their mind. Big Gabby stopped by the Tollington in his car and was was leading chants outside the Tollington. I mean, just, uh, you know, a ridiculous moment. And, and their celebrations show you what it means. But, Clive, I don't want to get off the, the Reese Nelson yet because I do, I do think there could be a role for him now. And, look, the talent was never in question. And he's just 23. It's not out of the question that there's still something for him here. And, and if ever he had a reason to believe in himself and back himself, this cameo will do it. Um, we might need Reese Nelson and we might've found him in this moment, you know? Yeah. So talent and character, the two are, are, are equally important. In, in fact, character may be more important because all these guys have a lot of talent, right? So um, otherwise I wouldn't be there, right? So, so yeah, and it's any, anyone you spoke to were all saying the same thing about him. What a great guy. He's worked so hard. That means his character is beyond reproach. And again, in all the celebrations, how popular did he look? Right? And um, I know that you may not have seen this yet because you've just woken up, but yeah, there are contract mm. talks afoot to get him to stay, right? So, um, yeah. and we were talking about on Saturday, weren't we? So I'm really pleased about that because you want the right sort of people around you in every what, you do, what you're doing. And, and again, I, I don't really care about other teams at this moment in time, but... I didn't see much character on that Manchester United performance on Sunday. People quitting on their quitting on their club against their wait, arch rivals. Wait a rivals. minute, that's not fair to to Bruno Fernandez. I mean that that was really a performance for the ages from him. The character it took to hold his nose and fly backwards and beg to come off the pitch. Just a tremendous, tremendous character. That guy. yeah, and, and and that's it. So um, so yeah, you saw that was it. That's what I put away to make the the characters were not there, and, and you. Talent is one thing, but how you apply your talent is everything. And um, Reese Nelson, I, you know, I've ummed and ahmed about him in the past. I think he's more of a left side than a right side. I will say that. But he plays our football. And I'm, I'm sure Paul has seen this. I, I rewatched the second half today. And when he came on, he played to the beat really quickly. Really quickly mm. played to the beat. It was one, two touches. Get your cross, get your shot off. Play on the outside. When you come on the inside, pop it off quickly and reposition. He played to the beat and that, without even having any warm-up games or anything. I'm here. I've got 20 minutes in me. Bang, here you go. And um, there was nothing, you know, he had a cut across. He had a great curling shot. Neto's a decent keeper, by the way. And he should be he should be nowhere near it, but he read it and made it look easy. And um, otherwise, that would have that gone in. And then, of course, the final shot was, like, sent down from the heavens when he's spinning first touch sort of, created a tunnel by which to strike and it, it's almost it's incredible you're thinking there's a tunnel just opened up for that for that crazy spin onto his wrong foot to take that shot at that moment at that trajectory hey look i'm not i'm not a religious man primarily but my goodness i was feeling <laughs> religious when that went in and um <laughs> because it felt it felt like a real a real moment yeah I, clive i have to say it's weird how the brain works because 
the electrons fire so fast, but they can make a tiny moment feel like it takes forever. There was a moment when that ball was flying to the net, and then after it had flown in, before the explosion of joy, where you're trying to process that it's just happened. I can't really explain. Like, the intake of breath before the eruption is one of the best moments in the world. The dawning realization of what's just happened. And sometimes football feels artificial and manufactured, especially when it comes to content at times, right? You have the meme makers on social media. You have the narrative drivers on talk sport. You have the outrage machine in Richard Keyes, right? And sometimes it gives you something so genuine and so authentic. Look at the player's reaction. Look at Gabby collapse and Odegaard collapse and Saliba run the wrong way and uh, uh, Mikel high-five a child. And like that that moment before it, you realize it, the eruption, the reaction, it's it's as authentic and pure as it gets. And And it's funny because where I was during this week, I got to be around some people that don't have very much in their life. And I saw a young girl about 13 years old score a goal that means nothing to anybody in a place where football should mean nothing to anybody. And she reacted to scoring that goal in the same way Arsenal reacted to this goal. It is a thing that connects us all without even being able to describe it. Clive? Oh, well, I, I, well, yeah, I listened to you talk there and completely, completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> so, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I sorry. saw you had, had something and then I just kept going yeah. and then I blew it. I'm sorry. Well, Paul, Paul yeah. now has his hand raised. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if Paul can uh, remind himself of what, what he was going to say. Paul? Yeah, I'm going to have a stab at saying what I think Clive was going to say. Oh, there no. we go. Okay. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I want to pick up on that point and maybe take issue with the earlier point you made, which is, you know, there's Sounds so many right. other things that are are important in life compared to football. But like, if that's true, how come, as Clive said, we walk around thinking about football all day long, every day? It leaks into every crevice of our life. Um, we're we're paid by employers who. Uh, have us nine to five, five days a week, and 50% of the time we're thinking about football while we're being paid by our employers. But, I hope they don't listen to this, Paul. <laughs> yeah. There is a huge You're doing part what? Of, yeah. There is a huge part of life that is filled by football. And yes, I understand that the, in the big moments you say, uh, like, these are the important things, and, and football, why do we even take it seriously, and why do we get it? But like, it shows to us just how important it is, how it connects us, how like something to talk about, to spend time together, to make friends, to bond. You need a something. Football is the something that brings these people together, brings all of us together and and can on its best days bring people together in the most extraordinary circumstances across borders, cultures, everything. It's it's the great connector and leveler in so many ways. It's the world's greatest sport, blah, blah, blah. Football's really, really important. It just is. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about your travels at some point, Elliot. Yeah, I'll definitely post a travelogue up there for patrons who want to, uh, and only because like, look, I know a lot of you who listen you get to go home in a way all the time, or you live in London. It, it's not that exciting. I, I hope there's some, you know, people that I can connect with 
the experience because it's still special and unique to me. And I know a lot of people don't ever get to have it and, and that it's just a, a privilege to do it and great to share it. And like, yeah, so I, I look, we're 34 minutes in. We still have to talk about the football. We still have to talk about the the benefits of the performance and the the uh, the flaws in the performance and the injuries because there's a lot of football going on here. And then somehow we have to save some time just to have a, a, one more really deep guttural uh, laugh at United. I know there's some people that are struggling to enjoy United losing 7-0 because we have to go to Anfield. What I will say is don't, don't do that. Don't deny yourself. When the football wants to give you joy, take the joy. Um... So yeah, it, it, it. Well, Clive, before we row back to the beginning, do you have some some final thoughts on the the sort of meta components of this? Because we we need to get into the actual um, X's and O's, as they say. Well, on the game itself, on the game mm. itself, yeah, I, I, I think I, I watched the second half this morning, and um, it's it's a diff, it's difficult game to sort of analyze because the game state was changed after ten seconds. Do you know what I mean so? Mm. Straight away, it becomes attack versus defense exercise. So. And that changes everything. So wherever our plan was at the start, it, this it becomes really crystallised into something else. But um, watching the second half, I, I will say there are some players that maybe I didn't quite catch on the instant reaction that really said, we are not losing. <laughs> right? and, uh, and one of those was, was Thomas Party, actually. He just went to a different place in that second half. And, you know, I was too racked with nerves to, to see it clearly. Um, he just went to a different place. Of, of accountability and leadership and play and effort and recovery because we were leaving ourselves very exposed. So he was very, very, very good on the defensive transitions. Very, not like Bruno, shall we say, very good on the trans- defensive transitions and, and getting us going in attack, scoring the first goal. I mean, it was an incredible performance from him. But there were many other performances that were bubbling just under the radar. And um, within this game, there was some. Now we're talking football again, right? Get our heads down mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, let's get it. Within within this football game, game, and I want to see Paul gets this because he was a little bit more detached and had his had his marbles together, right? So within this game, right? Um, <laughs> there was there was some evolution within this game, and and Gabriel Martinelli was evolving in front of our eyes in and changing how we play due to his attributes physical and technical attributes. He gave us things that I haven't seen from any of our centre forwards. And I include Jesus in that, you know? And if you are looking for, within this fog, this drunken fog that we're still coming out of, if you're looking for a window into the future, well, I know we've got his kids signed up, but I'm so glad we have him signed up because he gave us a window into what he can be. I mean, he was coming short, he was spinning, he was out wide. He, he played an absolutely tremendous game in circumstances when the game plan changed for him when Trossard came off. So mm. I, I thought it was an outstanding performance from a few people. and there, there are more, which we'll get into. But I thought those two, I just wanted to give them a shout out because I thought they were both excellent. Yeah, I mean, I, I in the instant reaction, I, I specifically called out Thomas Party for praise. And I think there was some negative reaction to that. I think people said that they they felt that he had a poor game. And I think some of that came from his culpability in the goals we scored, which yeah, we could debate some of that culpability, but he scores the first goal, arriving at the back post. He's alive to it, and he finishes it beautifully. The second goal is all him. I mean, it's all him, and Ben White's first-time finish is brilliant, and the reason Nelson Cross is lovely. But Thomas Party undresses like five players to get to the spot and then pick out Nelson to to create that goal. I, I do think he was really, really good in this game. I also think Martinelli did great. I... 
I feel bad that he wasn't able to keep that shot under the bar, the one he blazed just over, because that run would have been just another iconic moment from him. Um, I think it's it's important too, Paul, because if Martinelli can play center forward, that would be really handy given that I don't know if Enkedi is going to be fit for Fulham or Sporting. I don't know if Gabriel Jesus is going to be fit for either of those. I don't know if Tris, when Trissard will be back, but you have to assume it's a three-week or it's a groin injury. Um, I think we may be looking at Saka, Martinelli, and Nelson as a front three, if if not in the short term, maybe even the intermediate term. So thoughts on on Martinelli getting a shot there and if we may have to see that for for a game or two or beyond? Yeah, I think so. I had, uh, t- We did a couple of stock risings in the... Uh, post-match and I'm glad you guys have honed in on Party and Martinelli I think they were my two I thought Party was huge in the second half just to keep it ticking along and mm. under control he just he drove us forward the second half was a game in which we could have got immensely frustrated at flattering to s- deceive uh, semi-circular passing and he never let it get to that he o- Party was always decisive I thought Martinelli stepped up immediately to the challenge. He's a guy that you can play in any three of the front positions, and we do. If Saka needs a rest, Martinelli will get switched to the right-hand side. I think his work rate as a centre-forward was phenomenal. Jesus-like in terms of dropping in, constant running, always giving them something, and then maybe something that nobody else does, spinning in behind and making those runs. Um really aggressive stuff in both directions he never ever stopped um and i like every now and then you'll hear a comment at the end of a game that martinelli looked tired i don't think that's right i think martinelli is one of those guys who has a second third fourth fifth and sixth wind he'll just keep going which is why he's so often he'll often get be the guy who gets subbed before saka just because you need saka on the pitch for what he brings I don't think it's ever really fatigue with him. Uh, he's the uh, the the, uh, the the bunny who just doesn't. Start. What are those batteries? The Energizer Bunny. <laughs> Energizer Bunny. Like he just doesn't stop. Uh, um, he stepped in here flawlessly, and in a sense, we lost nothing apart from we lost him on the wing. I think Smith Rowe did a very credible job for a guy who hasn't played for a while. I think he did pretty well. I think he there were a set number of minutes in him and that we needed something a little extra and that's why Nelson came in when he did. And like we're starting to have options, unfortunately. We're starting to lose a couple of options too. So there are some worries there, obviously. How quick can we get Jesus back? Um, uh, how serious an issue does Trossard have or not? But, you know... A, a quick comeback from Trossard, what's that mean in football? It never seems to be a few days with our guys, but a, gro- maybe a groin injury surely isn't a few days. I know they said Shall precaution, I you, but so yeah, please, 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 Paul. Because okay. I'm a little bit ahead of you, time zone wise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They said Clive's our uh, podcast expert on groins. Go ahead, Clive. <laughs> I actually yeah. pulled my groin watching the game, so that tells you how robust these athletes are. <laughs> <laughs> Pogo <laughs> jumping is not really what I should be doing at my age. So anyway, basically, he could be back in two weeks. He might miss sporting, but not much thereafter. So that's just broken okay. in the last sort of hour or so. So, so maybe it's not, not major. Back before the international Not, not Fulham, not either sporting game. Well, sporting game he might miss on Thursday, but it's open thereafter. So we'll see. Got it. Well, and I think it is good because 
like ultimately, I, I think Martinelli can play center forward. I think he showed that he can play center forward. But I like, I would imagine after the international break that we will have Gabriel Jesus back. I wonder if they'll try to hold Trissard out that long. I don't know. We'll see. Um, well, there was a, another update, Ellie, that you missed, and um, that Je- Jesus was actually um, warming down with the substitutes. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the game, the substitutes tend to do a normally penalty box strides, we call it, and they go, but actually what I didn't realize, they actually do a, a small-sided game as well. And so to keep them sharp, and Jesus took part in that on the pitch after the game. So that tells you something. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if Fulham, Fulham are going to see a little... Uh, the return of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, now you know, it works both ways. We're getting close to April. Um, so I think what we need to do is we need to go back to the beginning. We need to get to some of the moments that led us to where we were in the end. Um, but I think we got to clean this pot up much in the same way that we need to clean up our privates. That's right, our friends at Manscaped are back. You know, whenever the springtime rolls around and things are growing and things are renewing, Manscaped shows up to remind you that that means you need to start thinking of trimming, right? You need to start thinking of cutting back. You need to start thinking of maintaining that that beautiful trimmed appearance. Uh, and no one does it better than the folks at Manscaped with the Performance Package 4.0. And the Performance Package 4.0 is, as they call it, a ball care bundle. There you go. You'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ears and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver, toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag. That's a lot. Now, those boxer briefs, love those, by the way. The Lawnmower 4.0, if you're new to hearing about this, it's wet, dry, it works in the shower. Uh, you can really do any part of your body with it. It comes with a guard if you want to do sideburns and things like that. But it's purpose-built. It has uh, um, ceramic blades, right? Skin-safe technology. I love it. And before that, I was doing what a lot of people do, right? You just have that razor that sits in the shower since like 1994. And uh, yeah, probably shouldn't be using that anymore. So use it like you got to do it. So you might as well have the tools to do it right. And that's what Manscaped gives you. Now you can go to uh, manscaped.com, use promo code ArsenalVision, save 20% off and get free shipping worldwide. 20% off and free shipping worldwide with promo code ArsenalVision at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with code ArsenalVision at manscaped.com. And... If you want to start a business, the place to do that is Shopify. In fact, uh, I was riding in Uber the other day, and the Uber driver said that he does silk screening for shirts. He takes photos, and he puts them on shirts. He's like, yeah, I really want to get in a business doing that. You know, like, um, I don't want to just drive Uber. Uber. I want to start my own business, but I I don't have the, t- the skills. So we talked about Shopify. If you're someone like that, you have an idea. You have a business you want to start. Why use Shopify? They'll take over all, all the payment processing for you. They'll get your store uh, linked to your Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever it is so you can sell there. They make it drag and drop simple to build a professional looking website. In fact, they're multi-billion dollar companies that you probably know about. And you look at their website and you think, oh, they probably have a team of engineers and they're just using Shopify. I'm not, I mean, it is it is the backbone of the e-commerce internet. They'll even take care of things like taxes and shipping and all that. So you don't have to worry about any of it. So you can use Shopify. What you need to do is sign up for a $1 per month trial. Not too bad there, right? $1 per month trial, shopify.com slash arsenalvision, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsenalvision, all lowercase, to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash arsenalvision. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. Now that, yeah, I, um, I got I got to level with you today. We were we were pretty business like in in those um, ad reads, and I apologize. We'll try to bring more uh, humor and levity to those in the future. But 
I only have so much brain power at the moment, if I'm honest. I have to say, one of the videos that I saw going around is actually from the Bourne, a Bournemouth fan in the away end as the clock is ticking down. And football's so amazing, isn't it? You flip it around, and, and we've all been there. We've all been there when the late winner is scored against you. And you've already made the bargain when you've been ahead, right? And you're like, you know what? A draw here isn't so bad. A draw, and then the dagger. Um, and, and it's just so interesting to see it from the other end. Now, thankfully, we're not on that end. But um, yeah, so much amazing capturing and documenting of, the, of this occasion. So, Clive, you, you referenced this, but it really is the case that when a team scores nine seconds in, that changes everything about the game. What we said to one another sitting there watching it is it doesn't change anything, really. We weren't trying to win 1-0 against Bournemouth. We are trying to win two or three or four. So nine seconds in, being 1-0 down doesn't really change what you need to do, but it it gives them something to hold on to. And what I think it does more than anything, maybe, a Bournemouth can show up at the Emirates, get pushed back early, feel like it's not going to be their day, and get beaten handily. But when you've scored nine seconds in, suddenly you think there's something here for us. That extra bit of fight, because staying organized and staying compact is no fun. It's a lot more fun doing it, protecting a lead. So what do you think that the goal in nine seconds did to the game? And if you have a thought on how they got that goal, apart from their players being in our half before they actually ever kicked the ball, which, you know, is is interesting. Um, thoughts on their goal and, and what that does to the dynamic of the game early on? Yeah, it's a beautiful move. And again, we didn't realize at the time that, that it was actually illegal because there was a number of their players in our half distracting our players. Then they go down the other side, obviously, for the first time crossing to the middle, and we 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 look like a bit of a sieve in our box, and and they score right. So um, so yeah, it changes everything because basically, if you look at the average positions of our players in this game, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how high we were. I mean, it it just changes the whole concept of the game, and so a couple of things I've been looking at a little bit recently is the pace by which we play. Right, so if I know we were chasing this game, but we are generally playing with a a pace and our restarts, quick throws, quick free kicks to keep the ball moving. And and there may be something that's going under the radar about how fit we are to be able to achieve this. You can't play quick unless you feel you're fitted in the opposition and you're imposing yourself on them. And so maybe that's something that's going under the, under the radar a little bit. Another thing that's happening, and I think Everton showed it, and by the way, Everton were better than Bournemouth, and we beat them 4-0. It just goes you scoring goals at the right time. No way did we deserve to be tuned up against Everton at half-time. They were much more organised. They were much more disciplined. They were way better than Bournemouth, and we beat them 4-zip, right? So, But what both teams did very cleverly, they know that they're forcing us down the outsides now. Everyone's doing that, doubling up our wide men, taking lumps out of their shin pads. We know the drill, right? We're all used to it. When we when we foul them, they stay down for three minutes, etc. But what teams are doing is they're, they're predicting our interior pass, and they're really reading it, almost like letting us have it. And as it's going across to our eights in particular, they're, they're stealing it and they're transitioning on us. And Bournemouth was set on that. And I thought they were very good. They used Slanky to definitely drop into to block the party lane. And they're very clever and quick and athletic to transmit up the pitch. And Everton tried to do the same thing as well and had decent chances. Brentford did the same thing in that, in that game as well. And so we have to be wary of the defensive transition because our patterns are being read. You know, so maybe a bit more. And what I found so encouraging, and, and Paul agreed earlier, is that we had a slightly different pattern. We were able to play the ball over the top and have somebody run onto it. 
And I think because we're playing within our interior and everyone knows we're not going to go first phase down the sides or over the top, having that option will stop people jumping out on the prowl to come and counter-press us and steal the ball and then go backwards. And so it's just interesting to see the evolution of us throughout the year because everyone's watching us. Everyone knows They know we they have to be focused on stopping us and they're stopping us in, in similar ways. But I, I enjoyed this game because we weren't stopped, you know, and we, we overcame it. And I think as we think about transfers, which I assume will be, <laughs> um, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the the next phase evolution, and maybe um, some some runners that go through would be really nice to get people to stay where we want them to stay. I yeah, I think Paul, it is difficult, right? Because when when you, when you get down early, you are handing the team not just a way of playing like Bournemouth we're going to play that way anyway but I think you are handing the the, the opposition a bit of fight right I, not to go full soft factor but the level of concentration and fight required to defend you know 80% of the time to have 31 shots conceded to do that it, it is it takes a lot and part of that comes from belief that you'll get something from the game and, and the goal gives them that but I do love the way we play because I think ultimately, yes, you're going to leave yourself vulnerable. And yes, Aaron Ramsdale has to make an absolutely extraordinary save where we don't get this moment. But you see the benefit of playing the way we do because eventually if a team is pushed that deep and eventually if you take that many shots and eventually if you dominate the territory that much, more times than not, you win the game. You don't always as we saw like with City and Forest, but more times than not, you win the game. Do you think that conceding that early though allowed Bournemouth to be more engaged in the job at, you know, the mission at hand in a way that they may not have been had, um, you know, had that game been nil nil and we were just bombarding them early on. Yeah. Look, um, this is a game where like many other teams, they'll come here to the Emirates thinking, having some level of hope at the start of the game, but it ready to be fractured as soon as we get our first goal. And as soon as we show we're on it and the problem every time, you give the goal away is we lose that opportunity for our fast starts to put them under the cosh and for us to cruise a little bit in the game. Um, obviously, them getting this goal suddenly goes from we have some hope to we have plenty of hope here. Um, we played pretty good in the first half, but we played sloppy. And I think it wasn't until the second half we really started to consistently string our play together, unfortunately. They got another goal just to make it, just to give them a, li- a little extra hope to the point where they thought, okay, this is going to be their day. Um, so, like, w- we've been really, really good until recent times of getting that first goal. Um, I think we were on at this game. We were a little sloppy, but we never got to find out because. That first goal, what was it, 9, 11 seconds down that left-hand side? I mean, the one thing I would say, I've I've kind of used the term a few times recently about Xhaka being a load-bearing wall. And, like, there is something about being switched on. Now, you know, I looked at Vieira, I looked at Zinchenko, Martinelli, those guys on that side. I don't think any any one of them individually did anything wrong. There's no like, oh, if Xhaka had been there or if this guy had been there, like that wouldn't have happened. But I do think there's a kind of a hive mind, a seriousness, a sensing of danger 
that somebody like a Xhaka in your midfield, like Vieira, I think, is actually called over to the right-hand side for that uh, as the ball's been kicked off by other players. Now, is the kind of guy who you can call him over to that side. He's going to tell you to piss off. He's going to stay where he senses vulnerability. And I don't think you get that same defensive nous. Now, I don't want to turn it into the Xhaka debates. Like, I'm all for getting a better player in almost any position on this pitch. I'm all for uh, getting other guys in the mix, getting Vieira his time and his opportunities. I'm all for rotations. It shouldn't have been a problem in this game. Um, It was just, it was kind of a bit of a freakish goal. Uh, Even Gary O'Neill in the interview afterwards said, yeah, we had this idea. We didn't think we were going to score from it. But we thought it was a good idea, basically, to get them down the pitch, maybe get a corner. I'm I'm filling in the gaps. Um, like, the ball just ran beautifully for them, off the back of Gabrielle's heel, right in front of the guy. Um, 19 times out of 20, that doesn't happen. They don't get a goal from it. But still, it felt... Uh, I said in the instant reaction, uh, and I don't get this angsty feeling all the time, as they kicked off and played it down that side, I'm like, oh, I don't feel good about this. This hmm. Is this one of those incoming goals from nothing? It just felt so soft, even though no individual player did anything specifically where you say, it's on that guy. Yeah, like, to, to your point, I don't, I don't want to, to get into the debate. I'll simply say, I don't think Vieira does anything wrong in this game. I think he had a fine game, and I yep. think that... Because we were down, there will be a narrative, understandably, that this is why you don't take Shaka out. Sure. I don't actually think that has anything to do with how this game played out, but I understand the instinct to go there. Um, and, like, I think Vieira was fine. I think Shaka's yeah. fine. I think whoever we pick to start any game is fine. I, I don't actually think that position on the pitch is the story in this game. And I, I think there's a little bit of... um just good fortune as there always is with any goal, but to how this one scored, because it kind of squirts through, I think the player it's intended for. And I think, you know, that, that leads it to get through and get the goal. It's and well worked. how it squirts I, it, through. I mean, the angle yeah. it takes, it just, it's like this dead zone where the ball's just sitting there. I mean, how, how, like it's very bad look on the other hand. And, and it's y- poor y- defending too. It's, you know, it's a little both. Like I, the waltzed I, down that side. I mean, they just yeah. waltzed down. By the way, the, the funny thing is, I haven't heard a lot of discussion of this. We should be level three minutes into the game. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that back. Has, have either of you guys seen that back? Where Saka has a chance, right? That he blazes over from from. Yeah, it hits close the range? keeper's chest, I think. I mean, the goal, it, apart from the goalkeeper in the way, the, the goal's at his mercy. Yeah. And uh, given the, the goal he scored last the last game into the top top near corner over Pickford, like, uh, he has mo- a lot more net and time to hit here. That's not a criticism. Like, it's always no, difficult right. scoring yeah. past a keeper. But, like, the goal is at at our mercy between, I think it's Odegaard might have uh, had the first pop. but and, and then we don't really create, I don't think, a clear-cut chance for a while. And, Clive, I mean, they did do the thing that teams are doing, right, which is pack the middle, force us out wide, and see if we can beat you from a wide position, which we struggled to do. Um, how do you look at the way the first half played out? Not not crisp enough from Arsenal or just really good compact low block defending from, from Bournemouth? One thing you kept saying to me as we're sitting there, Everton were better than Bournemouth, but somehow we're 
losing this game. And we were, you know, we were 2 0 up at halftime to an Everton that were much better than this Bournemouth team were. Yeah. And like I said, um, they, they they had a good day at the office, right? They scored a very good first goal, near potentially well, the second end, goal. <laughs> yeah, but they got maximum reward for their um, yeah. for, for their for their times in our box. So after we scored, I think it'd make it two two. Solanke had a great shot that Ramsdale saved to his feet. Massive save, massive save. Right, we we could not deal with going be, going behind again. I think that would have been would have been traumatic for us. And um, so yeah. I, I I didn't I didn't rate Bournemouth. I'm honest with you. I, I didn't rate them. I didn't rate what they, how they approach that game. Um, but they're they're a window into what what teams are doing, and it's the same window that we're seeing. And um, but I I do like how we're overcoming it. And the selection of Vieira was maybe part of us thinking how we're going to overcome it. Have a little bit more dexterity in top end of the pitch because we're going to have a little bit more of the ball and we want to create something. So give the guy the, the start to, to get him going. And again, I watched that one this morning earlier and there was a little bit of one too many touches, shall we say, on occasion. And I think mm. what what Vieira lacks is cohesion, not quality. It's just cohesion with the group. It's just that, you know, what we do have is one brain football. And actually, just before Vieira comes off, he's actually playing really, really well. He just runs out of mm. puff, and and and, and Shaka comes on for the end part of the game. But it was an energy reason thing coming off, and he was starting to move and flow and play less touches, easy coachable stuff. He's got a great first touch, second touch. I cut of his crosses were a little bit um, floaty for the keeper, but I I really liked the bubbling performance with him. I really liked it, and and he, some of his recoveries are really good. If he loses it, he gets it back. So he's got the right mentality there. Good reactions. I did sense in the crowd there there was a little bit of frustration around him when he had a shot that didn't go in because we used to see him having a shot and and it goes in. <laughs> and he took one and went over the bar, and I could sense a little bit of frustration brewing just for a fraction of a second. But then he'd win the ball back again, and we're off and running. So. I think for all of us, we all know the team in our minds we'd like to see on a perfect day. If we had the Champions League final tomorrow morning, we could pick it. But we have to allow for other people to come in and, and do their thing. And, um, and so I'm watching him the most in this game, and I thought he did fine. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, it's funny because it shows you which one of us is smarter about football, not that there was any uh, confusion there. When they got their corner kick, I said to Clive, this is good. You know, it actually pulls them away from their goal a little bit. You know, let's let's not have them just sitting in. This is good. And Clive said, "No, no, this isn't good." And like one second later, they it scored to make it two nil. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, point Clive, no points, Elliot, um, Paul. One of the things that we sort of unfortunately are forced to talk about again in this game, and I'm glad I'm glad we're not forced to talk about it much, but are, are the VAR decisions again? Clive and I were there, so all you know is. It looked kind of handbally to me, and you see VAR check no handball, and that's really all you know. Um, then you kind of try to check social media, and the ones that seem to have people most upset were Tomiyasu getting kicked, and there was one where the Bournemouth player kind of moves his elbow out on a on a cross. It looked like it was going to Nelson, and it and it rebounds off their post and and back out. I have to admit, I think all the calls are sort of like 
60-40, VAR calls. Um, I, I haven't seen the Tomiyasu one back, so I'll, I'll defer to you there. The one where his arm is slightly out and it goes off the near post, I think that's probably the most handball-y of the handballs. But do you just want to quickly let me know any of those that for you you have to get? Is the outrage more with all of those aggregated? It feels like we didn't – you know what I mean? Like – yeah, four twenty-five percent penalties doesn't equal a hundred percent penalty, right? Just in the same way that if you flip a coin three times and it's heads all three times, the next time you flip it, it's still fifty-fifty that it'll be heads again. So, in individually or any of those for you, a, a clear-cut penalty? How how do you react to the VAR decisions in the in the moment? Yeah, look, even four forty-nine percenters don't give you a penalty, and Great there's point. no such mm-hmm. thing as a rotational penalty. Look, the the issue there is just you want consistency, and we won't go into a long thing. It, it just feels like you get that many against you, uh, you, you you're certain that you're going to get a penalty against you. But like, I actually don't think if they call it that way all the time i think the bar for a handball in the in the penalty box should be high and it's higher than it used to be it used to be a joke a couple of years ago where if it touched your hand under any circumstances basically the crime was having arms at all in the yeah, penalty box yeah i didn't box. like that i didn't yeah I didn't that was like horrible that standard yeah and it's probably like i love the way these pen for the neutral and let's face it we all hate neutrals whoever mm-hmm. those bastards are but for the neutrals i don't want goals given cheaply for handballs in the box like you should really earn your penalties now there are those who feel there were so many calls one of them had to come our way i get that but individually and that's how each of these should be looked at they shouldn't build up they shouldn't accumulate of course we won so at the end of the day this is how you want to win i'll tell you there was one penalty and you mentioned it which for me is a stonewall penalty but kind of I blame us. The the kick on Tommy, that's a penalty. They kick the back of his foot. The guy does not get the ball. He absolutely swings through. It's not a touch. It's not a an unfortunate. He swings through, catches the puts Tommy on his ass. But it's our fault. We don't appeal it. I, I'm sure it's it's culturally very honourable not to go around demanding penalties. But Jesus Christ, what, like, and then nobody keys off him because he doesn't appeal. My God, this is a huge, like, we got to be tuned in to the professionalism. We're not going to win the league this year because it's fair or because it's good. It's because we need to be good, we need to be lucky, and we need to get everything we can, including some professionalism. And, like, this was a penalty that was genuine there for us. You don't need a lot of professionalism to throw yourself around after the fact and make sure it gets reviewed. There should Tommy should have kicked off on it. Three or four of the players should have been waving their arms. We played on like we didn't think it was a penalty. Like the, guys, yeah, the, the bar for disgraceful behavior is what uh, Bruno Fernandez did <laughs> yeah. against Liverpool. Th- th- this is wave this your is arms, not, guys. Yeah. Sit up. No. Wave your arms. Demand somebody to review it. Have two or three other players waving at the play at the ref, and get it reviewed. He absolutely whacks through the back of the leg. Clive, uh, a player who you keyed on in this game was Martin Odegaard, and you sort of just said, "Not his day shooting." Took a lot of shots in this game. I think what did he have seven seven shots? Six or seven shots, yeah. In 31 shots by Arsenal. Um, 
What do you think about Odegaard's performance there? Because it was something you were saying to me on the day, just not his day, kicking the ball into the goal. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you, his, technique, his technique shooting is, is beautiful, isn't it? The way he strikes the ball is so nice. And I just felt it's a little bit off. And But again, what I've learned from you two guys in particular is um, if he's getting six shots a game, every game good things are gonna happen aren't they you know so um and so yeah i just thought how many times are you gonna get six clear shots on goal and nothing really happened from them it's not not very often is that gonna happen no you know and so i just i brushed over that one earlier i thought again watching it he he was one of the ones that was driving us on relentlessly relentlessly driving us forward there's just players refusing to not win the game. And it was, you know, it's something that you see a lot more now when you see the whole pitch. The consistent engagement and presence in the moment is every single one of them. So when you watch it, you're thinking, you know, like cause we, we like to critique because we're fans. We want to find something bad. When you look and you see the engagement, you see it. You think, oh, man, every, every mistake is a well-intended one. You know, it's not, and the good thing is the manager's reacting very, very smartly from the substitute's bench to when someone's slightly off. He doesn't overplay them through that moment. He can make a change. So Tommy Yassi was slightly off in that first half. You're changed. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're changed. Smithrow comes on for Trossard early. Rather than playing till he breaks because you don't want to sub a sub, you're changed. Do you see what I mean? You're changed to protect you because we wait a long time for you. You're changed. You're not fit. Someone else can come on and give us the energy that we that we need to require there. Vieira's having a six and a half, seven out of ten game. He's running out of gas. You're changed. Do you see what I mean? To give us impetus, to give us another adult running into the box. I, I love this. And every one of them are part of this. And they're not all perfect. They're not all foot perfect. But I look for the reaction, the engagement, and the presence in the moment. I think that's what we're all keying off. I think we can all see, whether you're looking at a screen, whether you're fortunate enough to be in the red seats. I, I see that, and I, and I love it. I absolutely love that. And if that continues, with that level of bravery for the rest of the season, when it really counts, like at Anfield, for example, like at Newcastle, for example, I got Fulham on Sunday. They've got a very good home record. If that continues, we're going to be in a good place. Yeah, by the way, Martin Odegaard had 11 shots. <laughs> 11. Um, but interestingly, worth 0.56 expected goals. So it tells you a little bit about the mm. what we were restricted to, right? On a day when we had 31 shots. Um, you know, can 31 just, shots. Just, sorry, mate, go ahead. Please. I was just going to say, but just the 2.17 expected goals. So, you know, we restricted to maybe a little, some hit and hope stuff versus the, the clear wow, chances. This, yeah, this is what I was going to say. So I was going to say, there's been a there's been a change maybe since Manchester United when when Saka when Saka takes that shot that's not a Saka shot he doesn't take yeah. that shot from that far out we are peppering the goal we're peppering it we're saying okay you're going to go deep on us we're going to take shots outside the area you're going to barricade the box on corners we're going to ring the outside of the area and have shots there and we're getting results from it aren't we we're getting things yeah. happen look at Zinchenko's shot just before the end before we get the corner he just takes a speculative cross shot. Bang. Get it in there. Make them defend. If they're going to sit in there, we're going to make them defend. Might get a deflection. So rather than sit and try to be perfect, get counted on, and play one, two intricate passes, there's a time for that. But there's a time to take shots. And when you're taking shots, what you're doing, Elliot, is you're attracting people out of the block. 
you're saying to people, you've got to come out. And when you come out, then you can commit them. Then you do your one too. So I, I do think the shots, volumes and the shots, I think it's by design. I do, because we're taking a lot of them now. And it's, I think it's, it's working. The results are telling us it's working. Yeah, we also, by the way, we also had 17 corners. And I thought it was interesting because we, we did put the ball and we went back to the sort of low, flat, near post approach. Bournemouth were really deep on corners. And I thought there were more chances to take short corners than we did. We had some that looked pretty good. Um, you know, so, so just um, it, when teams sit that deep, frankly, there are a lot of different ways you can try to break them down. Like, I do think, to Clive's point, taking shots from distance. When they're that deep, you get a deflection, the ball falls to someone's feet, things like that. Paul, a couple of um, moments to call out. We, we called out the the important Ramsdale save, but let's let's do com- um, the goals here, right? Because we haven't really talked about them. I want to talk about Ben White's. That's a hell of a finish. Like, I, I don't see... I mean, I know it's the first goal, and it was huge, and it gets us to le- back on level terms. That move is brilliant because Thomas Party draws three people away. He beats them all. He gets it to Reese. Nelson puts in a beautiful cross, but it still needs a lovely first-time finish. I think that is that is a fantastic goal, kind of lost in the chaos of the day. Yeah, it's uh, he, he arrives. He maybe because he's a fullback, he's arriving from a little deeper. Um, huge credit to Thomas Party because we come through the middle, so we pull them narrow. Uh, they all get contracted. Uh, Reese Nelson has a little space to get his cross off, great cross across the box. We had something like, on top of our shots from distance and and the corners, we had something like 35 crosses, plus or minus a couple. Um, so we're like spamming the box, and you can say, well, we should take quality shots. We could, like, you can only work it into good position so many times before the fact that the the uh, the opponent sees what you're doing means they just contract and keep a shape and like you got to take shots you got to put in crosses it mightn't be distance shots and distant crosses might not be how we want a game to play out but if you just if you don't start ta- uh, spamming them then you're going to get into circular passing around the box frustration mm-hmm. the crowd get nancy like every now and then you got to take a pop you got to bang in a cross you got to wait for the the roulette ball to land and see if it pops into a good spot. But like the, this goal is made by Thomas Barty picking up that ball, dribbling past three players, swinging it to the left for uh, Nelson, and then uh, White taking that moment because like he really should get a good like you got to get it on target. He gets power. Uh, he's basically hitting it on the half volley if I'm remembering right. Blasts it the. It was one of those, is it over the line? It looks uh, 50-50 whether it's over the line, but you see the, the video from from uh, the side view that they show you afterwards, and it's well over the line. Powers it through, gets us going, the momentum starts, and we push on, basically. Uh, really, really well-worked goal. Down the yeah. middle, left, right, blast it through. Yeah, and, and I, I want to say... I'm, I I feel great for White there. I think White has not been flawless post-World Cup. We need him. Because in my view, I, do, I don't think Tomiyasu's the guy. And I'm just going to do this lightly because I don't want to bring the mood down. Maybe Tomiyasu becomes the backup left back next season if Tierney's going to be off. But I think the reason Tomiyasu was such a player of the season candidate last season is that we defended more and had less territory. 
Tomiyasu is a wonderful defender and a lovely technical player. I don't know that he's a final third fullback. Um, and where we play now, it's a slightly awkward fit. I don't think Tomiyasu's been very good, if I'm going to be honest, um, in the last several weeks, and in particular, really the way his he impacts the attack. White, Odegaard, and Saka have a lovely understanding. I, it, it's not so much a knock on Tomiyasu. Like, if you said to me, we're going to play a good team that's going to push us back a little bit, we can start Tomiyasu all day long in those situations. Um, you know, and I realize he made the error that cost us potentially the game against City, but I still trust him in those situations. I, I don't know, Clive. I just think... I think Ben White has a little bit more of the understanding in the final third, a little bit has has developed into more of the kind of fullback we need in the territories we occupy. So I'm I'm happy to see him get the goal and I think we're going to I think we're going to really need him at his best. Yeah, it's a question of form. Right? So let's bring you back maybe 3-4 weeks when you were discussing Martinelli's form. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. we were not discussing him as the player. His form, but what about and style? So, like, yes, Martinelli's form uh, was a concern, but I was never concerned about his style. Is, is Tomiyasu a fullback for the kind of football we play right now? Do you think uh, is he a fullback for this game state? Is the question you should be asking. Yeah, right? all right, Normally, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, 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 I, th- yeah. I think this game state decide was that's why this game was defined by the first ten seconds. Yeah. They conceding after fifty odd minutes from a set piece. You're talking a different game now. All the rules and all the coaching papers are thrown out. Now this is attack versus defense drill. And we want people running around the outside, literally on the cinder track, around the outside. Can you get around? Different game, different players required. You know, this, you know, you want to, we'll talk about game state. This is a day for a peak Hector Bellerin, isn't it, really? It's what you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about yeah. someone who just runs, don't care about defending, just runs forward, right? So, so you're looking at Hector Bellerin as a classic attacking, overlapping fullback. Ben White's developing his fullback game, and Tommy Asu is much more of a a, a centre back, right back, traditional fullback that blocks his man, marks his man, and blocks the side. We didn't need a side blocking, right? We needed something else. We needed intricate football, and we needed a real touch. and And there were some challenges there on occasion. It was all a bit quick, so it's, I, I got no concerns about him. You know my thoughts. I would have him as a left back, easy. I'd have him as a right back, no problem. I, it doesn't concern me. I can see Arsenal center probably, back too. By the way, he he, he could be. Back. You know, if holding goes and it's him and Kivior backing up Gabriel and and Saliba, sure, why not? He, he, he could do it. Um, again, he, he seems on the boat to me, completely engaged. And um, yeah, I I don't worry about him at all. I think potentially, if we were to lose a left back this year, I think we might buy a right back, um, more of an inverted right back. You know, the kid we're linked well, to. We are linked. Yeah, and. You look at how he plays, and he's quite a technical right back. He, so you can see where you could have a main, maybe a bit more of a defensive left back and a technical right back that's flying to what City are doing with Rico Lewis at the moment. Use so they're sort of inverted on the right hand side, not the left hand side. So, and they flip it around. So you can see a development there in the squad. So, yeah, I don't. It is surprising his defensive form has dropped a touch, but mm. mate, I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. Yeah, yeah, I like your way of putting it. Right, it's 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 a game state type thing, and there are, there are players that suit certain games more than others. Let's let's do a quick quick Smith Rowe thing. We can talk about what the emotion of this is going to do for us with what's coming up this week and and the weeks to come, and then laugh at United because that is important. And I want to make sure that we give that its due. Paul Emil Smith Rowe comes on. You know, it's tough because if you care about moments only, and moments matter when three goals win you a game his header back to Thomas Party, 
starts this whole thing off. And it's it's a good it's a good header, right? He he he's in the right position, like he often is in the box. He heads it into the right area. I don't know if he sees party or just knows it needs to go back in that area and party finishes it off and we're on our way. Other than that, I thought he struggled to get in the game a bit. And being subbed as a sub is never a nice thing. I presume that was more about fitness than impact, but I don't know. I, you know, I don't know for sure, but I suspect. Um, yeah. MS Pedro is not a player that we can just casually say we don't need, but at the same time, it's a lot of time now without having played consistent <laughs> football and to still be at a point where he really can only give you about 20 minutes comfortably or 30 minutes comfortably means he's still some way off from what we might need, which is, gosh, it'd be great if you could start him against sporting, right? Um, what are your thoughts on his cameo, his fitness generally, and and the impact he might still be able to give us this season? Well, look, it looks like he had about 50 minutes on the pitch. Okay, um, more than I thought, yeah. Yeah, he comes on about uh, 22 so, minutes, and he comes off around 68 minutes, so not quite. So, so maybe they had him as a 30, 35-minute <laughs> sub-fitness level, and he was already sort of over what they had allocated for him, maybe. Yeah, yeah and I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sure he could have played a bit more, and I'm, but, like, they needed more at that point. They needed to freshen things up, and, like... I, I, it all gets lost. When you win a game like this, nobody cares about anything. As long as you've contributed something, he'll go away from this saying, uh, like, he had a creditable performance. It wasn't fully moving the needle for us. Uh, he, was he was celebrating the, as much as anyone at full time, by the way. He was out there, one of the last people out there celebrating. So, Yeah, I mean, he got us a goal, right? I mean, okay, yeah, he's assist. just knocking the ball across the box, but, like, he put some mustard on that thing. He clears their defense. He's hitting it right into that spot. It's a crucial header. He's got a big moment. He won't care. He absolutely won't care. Nobody will care. All your sins are forgiven. Like, you you gone to confession uh, you sat with the priest. You have a clean soul, whoever you are, on this day, if you did anything. If you made the tea, if you carried a bag, nobody gives a rat's ass after a game like this. Everybody's wonderful. Everybody's great. Everybody's reborn. And, like, he had a pretty good first outing uh, on the wing, dropped in at when he wasn't expected to. He was absolutely fine, had a big moment in the game. He's got himself blooded. Uh, we've got Reese Nelson out there performing from the get-go, um, picking up where he left off. Those two will kind of share minutes if Martinelli needs to move inside a little bit. Um, he's he's very probably going to make a performance for Sporting. So it, how he feels after playing at uh, against Sporting will be more a measure of how he feels about himself, his form. I think the the Smith row getting yanked isn't I don't even think it's a a thing that that will be a topic. I think it's absolutely par for the course and there'll be nobody who'll blink an eye and at the end of the day you win together. Uh you lose separately. <laughs> That's when the fingers come out and you start thinking about yourself and covering your ass and was it somebody else who dropped you in it? You win together though. And any small thing you do to help win uh, will carry you on. Uh, so, like, that was a big, big header. He'll take that home with him. Uh, he'll be, he'll have seen what Nelson did. And, like, the Nelson thing's really big for everybody else who's not a starter. They're going to say, I may get a moment at some point in this season and make the difference. And so, I think, I think it's all good. I think he was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Clive, I, I want to move on to one more point there, but I, I don't want to shut you out of the Smith-Rowe conversation because I think you have some some specific thoughts on that. So how do you feel about the appearance he made and, and how much we're going to get from him as the season continues? Well, the pleasing thing is that he's not injured. That, that's, the only, that's the most important thing because what can't happen to him is, is, is too many more breakdowns because he just needs to get fit. You know, yeah. you just can't judge a player till he's fit. And it's it's clearly obvious that he's uh he's a, he's not he's not there yet to last the game. And um and the the worst thing we can do is to play him beyond his time and say he breaks down. And um so at the ground I was thinking I said this is a bad moment when I saw him come off because I thought he'd broken down. But and I thought he wasn't playing that bad. I thought he was doing fine. But I thought, oh no, he's broken down again. That this this can't happen. You know, this is not good. This really isn't good. So I was so pleased to hear, and hope I'm correct, I can only read like everybody else, that it was just literally a fitness thing and they need a bit more. And so, yeah, I, I credit the major for making the right decision there. It obviously was the right decision because we're sitting here with a, yeah. with a headache, right? So, um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a good decision. So let me shift gears to this. We covered all the emotion. We covered the final moment. The There will be very, very, very few days that stick with me the way this one will Obviously, tremendously special, but you play in the Europa League Thursday, you play again Sunday against Fulham away. Uh, no Paulini in that game, which could help. So that's his name, right? Did I just name a, a person that actually exists, right? I, I think, think so. Paulinho, um, yes. Still, still a bit jet lagged and hungover. So what, what I think is interesting is we look back to the Valentine's Day win over Leicester all those years ago when we thought this is the turning of the tide in the title race. And what happens after that is we lose to a mediocre United team and then drop points to Swansea, and that was that. Huge emotional moments can feel like a culmination, and the problem with the culmination is it can it can leave you in a deficit of focus and energy for what's to come. So, Clive, in terms of Mikel, I think we're very, very lucky to have Europa League next because it's kind of like you get the feel of another game under your belt before you got to go play Fulham. It creates some distance between this moment and the next. These big, joyous moments can be, I think, really hard to follow up on because it almost feels like you did it and you haven't done anything yet. So what are your thoughts on how Mikel makes sure and how the players make sure that this incredible high is not like a sugar high where you crash after, but you know, a, a propulsive high that can keep us pushing on in the weeks to come. Yeah, it's been a worry about the emotional levels um, around why we all feel like this. It's been a little bit of a worry, but actually I, I'm flipping on this a little bit. Um, Guy Neville's been talking about it. He says it's too emotional, also too emotional, but I'm thinking, nah, mate, I think you're getting this wrong. I think sometimes emotional events can drain you. But I think I'm with where Paul is. I think this emotional event will will add to more people, mm. will make more people want to be part of this. I think it will lift us. You know, I think we've got the room. I think we've got the maturity and the mental focus for this not to drain us, but lift us. And at the moment, the Emirates is like one big nightclub, right? It feels amazing. And maybe having a couple of, you know, a bit of time away from the nightclub but still having to do your job would be a good thing. I think just having that time away might be the, might be to sort of mentally reset again 
and say, let's get God back to work. God knows I needed it. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to work. <laughs> we're, we're, let's, we're on a plane out to Portugal. Let's get back to work. Let's do our work. Let's get our football going. Let's refocus. Let's reset again and play just a normal game of football. Because Fulham will be hard. But it's it, we know. We know Fulham. We know where they are. We know the journey. We know our way fans are going to be there in full voice. So, yeah, I think a little bit of time to decompress is good. But I'm not worried about the drain. I don't think it's going to drain or or take away the focus. I think it's going to lift earlier. And I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure where Saturday fits from a season-defining moment or not. I'm not there yet. But I think it's another memory that's made the whole season. And hopefully we'll get to the, to the finishing line. But if we don't, this is all part of the chapters in the book that we're writing. And for me, I'm looking at the, already looking at the next phase and how we're going to lift the standards even further. And that's going to be so interesting to see if we're in lap of honour mode or we're saying, nah, we're going for the biggest trophies in the game. And we are talking about, you know, going for the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's it. And you... This is the reality. You know why the celebration mattered as much as it did? You cannot drop points at home to Bournemouth in this title race. There will be ups and downs and surprises along the way. You cannot drop points at home to Bournemouth. And it, it, it is just that simple. And by not doing that, you, you can ride the roller coaster a little longer. Right, because it, I think we've got to remember, Elliot. This is a very young team. Mm-hmm. To tell them they should feel a way that they don't feel, like some grizzled old guys who've been there before, done it before. It's their seventh run in. Like you got to let it out. Now we want a bunch of one zeros and you know. Two I, I ones and manage five, six, the game. Seven, ten. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want any one zeros. Those are the worst. No, but but, but Paul, a game like, like you, this. You know. I mean, come on, it was huge. Everybody saw. Well, actually, <laughs> all sorts of people didn't see it. We might. We're we're like in stealth mode. I mean, that's the biggest thing going for us. The hype will be kept down because nobody's seen our games in the UK where it's closest to the action, which is kind of a travesty. Also, the other sweet thing might be i i don't like the idea that like uh, liverpool beat united get a 7-0 and that's all everybody's talking about but it's a very good thing that that's now what people are talking about at this point ours now becomes a 3-2 for us and the media doesn't get near we are at least sharing the oxygen i would say that's getting even more of the oxygen and we might think well, where's our moment in the sun? But this isn't the moment in the sun we want. We want that moment in the sun at the end of the season. I think that's a great cover for us well to bring this down to just a, a a thrilling win that people will talk about in the context of, but let's talk about how United's gone tits up and you know it's all spilling all over the place and Ten Hag's calling his team out and will they still need to do re- like great thank you we can we can now turn this into a normal game a normal result special for us but we don't need the narr- the media hype taking it to new places the, let's play distractible and let's get back to winning games but yeah we'd love a few more one zeros two zeros and we'll get some of those but like the youngest team in the league like th- 
youngest manager in the league. The 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 crowd invigorated behind this. There's going to be energy. There's no way out of that. Yeah, and and like the whole argument of oh, you know, I don't trust them because they've never won it before. No one's ever won it before until they've won it. Like that's how that works. So I, I don't know. Completely ridiculous. Um, let's just finish with this. I'm worried, Clive, and you know I worry. Mm-hmm. I'm None worried. How to put this? I'm worried United might not win the quadruple this season. That that's I'm I that thought has crossed my mind now. Somewhere between the fifth, sixth, and seventh goals flying in, maybe just maybe Eric Seven Hog um, is is in trouble here. They have been dying to crown this United team. Have you enjoyed anybody getting smacked down this much in years? 7-0 is an embarrassment. They have had consecutive seasons of going to Anfield and losing 5-0 and 7-0 at Anfield. Eric Ten Hag, with his famous quote this season, what was it, eras come to an end. Well, maybe, just maybe Klopp had that one up on the wall. Uh, 7-0. And Bruno Fernandes did everything in his power to get off that pitch before full-time. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. They, they, I guess they thought that the league cup was the only thing they had to play for this season, but that is an absolute abject disgrace. And I love every second of it. Yeah. You know, you know, I don't do Shannon Freud too much, but I will say on this one, I leave that to <laughs> Paul, who's a absolute expert and he's revving up to get stuck in right now. <laughs> so basically I, I think, um, we mentioned tonight what I don't like and is, is the early crowning of them really. You know, when they do so, anything that's remotely good, they get crowned of the best off. We have the best one here. We have the best here. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, mate, uh, well, you're, you're not that good. I watched some of those games. Rashford, Rashford's been carrying them massively. He has been unbelievably good. And I was hoping they'd drop the ball on him, but it's like you have to stay there now. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not, having, I'm not having their back four at all. The goalkeeper chooses. Can, can you plays. tactically explain to me where where uh, Lissandro Martinez was going when yeah. when he just <laughs> decided to make a left turn and run away from Mohamed Salah? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a player that I'm really disliking. Actually, I don't like the way he, he he sneaks up on people and smashes people when they're not looking, and I, I don't like his style. He has to get physical when he's not at it. That's what happens. Because he mm-hmm. he has limits. Um, but Tomini, well, what we talk about here, Casemiro is a good player, but can't play every three, four days and, and carry that lot on his shoulders. Bruno does what he likes. percent passing, completed 11 passes in the game. Congratulations yeah. to Casemiro. It took me a while to know he was playing. <laughs> um, Bruno does, plays me like, does what he likes, shouts what he likes, pushes lines in when he likes. He does everything. And when the club was in disarray, he snuck in and got himself a new contract and just signed it. They need to do something about him if if I'm them. If that's your captain, you're sending the wrong message. And we 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 know all about this, don't we? They haven't got the forwards they need. They've always spent on a wide right player. And um, they've got Rashford, who is an outstanding player, an outstanding individual, and he has covered a lot of cracks for them. And so I'm glad they've they've met their moment because they were starting to worry me a little bit. And I can't live for another half decade or decade or so of Manchester United getting far too many plaudits and the, and the game being defined by them and their manager. That that can't happen. So, um, so yeah, Liverpool, thank you very much for this this morning. I owe you two now. Spurs in the Champions League final and uh, Manchester United 7-0. I thank you for mm-hmm. both of them publicly. And, and, with our thanks and our gratitude, you can just take the day off when we come to Anfield. Clive, 
I appreciate you leaning into some schadenfreude. Pa, I'll give you a, a final shot at it. it. I don't know if you've seen it. Mark Goldbridge is a YouTuber who does United stuff. Mm. Probably know him. There's a moment where he just left his chair and went and sat and sulked on the back, I guess, shelf behind his chair and sat down. And there's a hilarious still image of just like the little hints of a sad Goldbridge face behind his chair in the background <laughs> of his set there on his YouTube set. Um, absolutely phenomenal stuff. I think, uh, Paul, I, whatever happens for United the rest of the season, this is a stain on that club, and I couldn't be happier to see it. Yeah, it, it, like, you're supposed to have mixed emotions, but they weren't very mixed. The, like, what an abject dereliction of duty in that second half. Unbelievable stuff. It was 3-1 on XG, and they managed to turn that into 7-0. It was like, what you know, curling where you got the two guys with the brush and the ice out of the way to get the... <laughs> yeah. Like, the United players were, like, scuttling the ball into the net. The, like, <laughs> Liverpool can't score seven goals without United's absolute, like... Uh, there's guys on the other side who are working with them or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on here. They've equated Casemiro to the most important signing since Cantona. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, Casemiro is a good player. In fact, he's a great player. But talking about getting over your ski tips and the whole Gary Neville sleeping on our project over the last three years, but thinking these were the guys who were going to take us, playing coward ball for half the season, Mm -hmm. um, it's a beautiful comeuppance for them. Uh, What I really like about it, though, what I think has something lasting about it is the level of distrust this will place uh, for Ten Hag with these players that when push came to shove, he couldn't trust on them. They let him down. They let each other down. Uh, like where you you began to fear they could be a real force again next season. I think they're going to have to do some serious work to replace people and completely refresh that dressing room at a time when they're looking to get sold and all that's going on in the background. And we've seen the dysfunction over Chelsea having got sold, even with big money and big promises and signings. Like, dysfunction will out. And I think we can, uh, I'm much more encouraged we can look forward to a season or two of them totally having to turn over their squad. And I'm so with Clive on the Lissandro thing. He's a dirty, cowardly little fucker who gets yep. away with stuff. He's seen yep. as plucky because he's small. He's just dirty. He's he's one of those guys who, who who cocks a punch when you're not looking, and he's like some kind of hero. Like There's so many dislikable players on their team, um, and that's got to add up in the car mistakes. So today was the – or yesterday was their day. I was there for it. We were all there for it. 7-0. That is – that takes some doing. Doing That takes collaboration. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I think that's enough for today. There's no way to encapsulate that, that weekend, though. Like, like, we didn't even mention the fact that Spurs limped to a 1-0 loss to Wolves. Like, off the radar. No room for it. They're like 100 points behind us. We're closing in on St. Totteringham's Day, by the way. Not the goal that we want, but a goal that we will certainly take. Um what an unbelievable weekend. One that you'll remember forever. And only football can do that. Only football can do what that weekend did for us. Um, we will have a rewatch for patrons. We'll have uh, my little travelogue video for patrons as well. Uh, we'll have a regular pod, obviously, after the the sporting game. So unfortunately, with um, Europa League coming back, that means the main pod shifts to Friday. Um, 
but you know, next season that won't be an issue. So there you go. Cause it'll be Tuesday and Wednesday football as it should be. I think we should leave it there. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks. Pause. Woohoo. Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Thanks Clive. Thank you very much. Few days off the Jaeger bombs should do do you good. Well, we'll be fine in a little, a little bit here. I've got some work <laughs> to do, man. I got some water to drink. <laughs> Hugged a lot of strangers, I'll tell you that much. Um, and and also, like, I don't know how there aren't tears in your coat because I was like pulling at your coat, and shaking you violently with it to the extent that I have the force in my body to do that. Okay, uh, we'll leave it there. We love you so much. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part of this. Thanks to everyone who came and, and said hello over the weekend. And for those of you, you know, obviously who couldn't be there, thank you for being here in any way you can. And and I hope everybody gets to have a moment like that. And there'll be many more moments like that this season. I'm sure. So we love you. We'll talk to you after Arsenal 10 Sporting Milk.